You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody, it is Thursday night, July 20th, 2023. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. I'm going to wrap around the room here and introduce this cast of characters we've got on the show here, as always, from the Rob the Genius Podcast, the Minister of Truth, the Father of Facts and Figures, the Deacon of Data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, and the man with the golden shovel. Rob, welcome to the show again, sir. Hey, good to be here. Always glad having you, man. We got a we got a big one lined up tonight. Rob had some boots on the ground. And our next person, our next host, hailing from the Purple Haze in Cloud Nine, Bucky's tag team partner, a man destined to go through a barber shop window. Jason, sir, how's your night? Going well. How about you guys? It's 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 been a week. I, I meant to ask you, how's the new job going, buddy? It's awesome. I yeah. really like it a lot. I think I've found my my stride um, there, and I, you know, fitting in with some good people. Like, I don't know. It's just everyone's pretty very much on the level of like just the exact level of professionalism and when to take it seriously and when not to. Um, and I've, it it's gelled very well with mine. Yeah. So that kind good. of sense has, um, and the money's good, and the company is making money. So yeah, everything's great. Well, let's do a little something we haven't done here in a while—a little mental health wellness check. Going to wrap backwards around the room here again. And Jason, in general, aside from work, how's life? How you feeling? How's your how's your mental health? Uh, good. I feel a little like um, still just general anxiety of like you know. Being at the new job, and even though things are going well, um, but other than that, you know, that's just who I am as a person, and something that I talk to my shrink about. And we're all dealing with that, you know, we're dealing with that together. But other than that, um, you know, because the new job is going so well, and because you know, today is my four-year wedding anniversary with my lovely bride, so we're, you know, celebrating Happy anniversary. Many, many years. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a it's a good time. Yeah, you know, uh, we're, in a, we're in a good spot. Glad to hear that. Rob, how about yourself, sir? Well, uh, glad the weekend is coming. It's uh, been a, <laughs> kind of, it's been busy at work the past couple of weeks. Um, but for me, you know, so far so good. And uh, my daughter started working a summer job. And oh god, no oh my. That, yeah, it was just, it's a few hours a day, but like this is such a huge step for her because. You know, um, she's dealt with anxiety issues the past yeah. several years, and for her to be able to just to do that, even I mean, it is it is just it's a huge step and a huge breakthrough. How's she liking it? Oh, so far so good. Uh, like she's uh, she's working a few hours, like at one of those assisted living, <clears throat> and uh, so she you know um, 
it's, it's work. She is on the, her feet a good bit. And so I told her that good that teach you to appreciate people who do that type of thing. Yeah. 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 I, man, I, I worry about these young people that we're bringing into the world, Rob. It's uh, one, they're, they're entering a very challenging world for a lot of different reasons. Um, the, the, the stigma of social anxiety and things like that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a kid in this day and age. I know how it was when, you know, we were kids, Rob, and I can imagine it wasn't much better when you were, you know, because you're a few years younger than us, Jason. You went through a slightly different uh, era than we did. But yeah, I just. I feel like we line up a lot because of, you know, for a great majority of my youth, it wasn't the information age. Yeah. And these kids have access to stuff that we never did. And right. it's it's so challenging. It's challenging enough to be a kid in the world. But then to deal with what they're dealing with on social media on a on a daily basis, and it's so hard to limit some of that um, mm-hmm. just because they can get access from anywhere. Um, I, I really, you know, I feel for my own kids. I feel for you know Rob's kids. Anybody that has them, it's challenging being a parent, especially when you're a parent trying to do things the right way, and there's a lot of parents out there doing it the wrong way, and you you try to explain to your kids why. You shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, but all the other kids are doing X, Y, and Z, and it, it's so challenging, man. You know, trying to teach these kids right from wrong. Uh, and <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's the thing that is wild to me, and it's such a challenge for you guys. And I admire you as parents. Is you know, when you say you know the information age and the things these kids have access to that we didn't, we didn't. It's not even the really like, you know, baseline stuff like pornography and weirdos and you know all sorts and violence and that sort of things it's just the sheer amount of information that they have at their fingertips and just different stuff they can get into that you have to keep up with them right well then and then you pile on cyberbullying, which you know people can joke about it all they want it's a real thing yes you know it really is and you know we just if you're a member of the internet wrestling community, you deal with some form of cyberbullying almost daily if you interact with anybody. But, you know, being grown, relatively mature adults, the three of us are, we know how to deal with it. You know, if you're a young person, that stuff does hurt and it bothers you. And because this is the the age that these kids are growing up and this is their social interaction. So it's no different than some kid picking on you in school. Yeah, it's a bazillion miles away, but it's still right there in your face in front of you. So it's it's very and difficult. It's also also not it's it's not, you know, if I get made fun of on the playground, uh, what it was in front of like 14 other kids. If I made fun of on Facebook, well guess what, Baba? That's in front of millions of potentially millions but definitely thousands of people yeah it's it's a very tricky animal um yeah my own mental health the last few months has not been good i've got some really heavy personal things going on uh then you know coupled with work and you know just trying to exist uh work has been rather rough over the last you know six to eight months so you know i've been feeling it i've been you know doing the right things and trying to be you know positive and healthy and things like that but it's it's affecting me in little ways. And I take like last week, we recorded our podcast. We record on Thursday nights. I usually edit and upload our podcast and get it over to, you know, Tunny, who's our boss, as we peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, I get it over to him and he's in charge of, you know, getting it uploaded for Saturday. 
And I completely failed at that last week. I, you know, I usually when I on you know, Friday when I get home from work around noon, I do my editing, I upload it, I send it over to him. I got home on Friday and I was so mentally fried because we were leaving town Friday to go to my dad's to pick up my son up in Pensacola. So I came home, I putzed around, man. I laid in the bed, flopped around, finally got up, started packing some of my stuff to go. I had time to get it done. I just, it was the furthest thing from my mind because I'm so distracted with everything else and I just needed a break. You know, sometimes you just get home and you don't want to think about anything. You just want to lay on the bed, sit on the couch and just decompress. And that's where I was last week. Totally flaked on getting the episode out. Uh, Last week's episode didn't go up until Tuesday of this week. I apologize (laughs) to that. Not only to you two, but to Tony, to the rest of the chair shot you know, radio network and to you, the listeners, you know, you've been used to us coming out on a particular day. It was Friday for a while. Now it's Saturday. And, you know, I failed at that. And some of that is because my head just was not in the game, admittedly not in the game. So, you know, it's, but this is why we do these mental health checks to keep ourselves in line, to keep ourselves honest and, and to keep you, the listener honest. And, you know, as always, you know, if you need help, reach out, you know, resources, friends, Call the hotline, 988. It's out there for a reason. You know, talk to somebody and, you know, don't don't sit there and suffer with it. So let's get into tonight's episode. We have got a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with we had some uh, some boots on the ground from a couple of the guys here this week. Uh, Rob went to a WWE house show and Jason in celebrating four, four years, right? Yes, sir. Four years with his lovely wife. As a married couple, not four total years together, four years of marriage, right? Four years of marriage, yeah. Four years of marriage. They went to the AEW Blood and Guts show on Wednesday night. They were live for that. Jason's got a lot to talk about there. We're going to start off with Mr. Rob. I'm going to turn the floor over to him. He's going to talk about his WWE house show experience. Rob, the floor is yours. All righty. So they they came back through last weekend, and um, I went to the show in Fairfax, Virginia. And actually, that was when I that was the same venue when I decided to, you know, back that was the first house show. That was the same place I went to the first house show since I started watching again. So it's kind of like you can say full circle or whatever. <laughs> um, and as evidence of the of how they are doing better business wise, this is the most full that building has ever been. Uh, that I've gone to it. It was almost full. It's not. It's in a kind of not super convenient location. So a lot of times that that definitely affects how many people come out there. But um, this was the most full it's ever been since I've gone. And it was it was one of those kind of dual brand shows. So they had people from both shows. Uh, it started out with uh, AJ Styles and Austin Theory for the U.S. title. They went for a few minutes, and then uh, it was Kit Wilson from Pretty Deadly, because the other guy was Elton Prince. He's injured, unfortunately, so I guess we probably won't be seeing him for a little bit. But Kit Wilson came out and did a run-in, and, you know, the got, theory got disqualified. They were stomping AJ out, so then Gallows and Anderson came out there and, you know, saved him. And so AJ challenged him to a tag team match, and he said, look, uh, you guys – yeah, you can come in here and have a tag team match, or we we can just come back to the locker room and kick your butts later. <laughs> and so they, you know, they did the tag team match. They had a good tag team match 
And well, theory works really well with those guys. Uh, and look, I honestly, look, theory just, yeah, you know, I know right now it's it's popular to dump on the guy. Um, look, I was in, I was on the floor seat, so I was right near the aisle. And so he, and you know, he walked up to a kid, and you know, the kid reached out his hand, and he was, he made like he was going to shake the kid's hand, but then he pulled his hand back and did the you can't see me thing to the kid's face. Yeah, <laughs> and. See, he, he gets see he understands stuff like that. Um, I'm, again, right now it's popular to crap on the guy, but let me tell you, um, he ain't going nowhere. That kid's got a bright future ahead yeah, of him. I, I don't care about the discourse. I really don't. No, and look, the only and, person stopping him at this point will be him. And look, it may it may take a while, right, for him to eventually get to where where he's capable of being. But that's what it ha- that's what happens sometimes. Right. Well, it was always an adage back in the day that professional wrestlers really didn't hit their stride until their 30s. And the kid's barely 25. Yeah. If he's 25. Um, so, yeah, it's we've got a lot of years left with Austin Theory for him to mature, for him to grow, and for him to finally find that 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 follow-through in his swing. Right. And, and so I wouldn't, you know, I think if people thinking that he's – you know, dead in the water right now. I'd say he's. Um, I'd say that's just uh, that's wrong. And again, just again, it may take him a while to finally get to where he's capable of being. But that happens for a lot of people. Um, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. And so they. I, mean, I also they, think at, yeah. at this point they've shown you. I mean, look at who he's been on television with. They're not giving up on this guy. No. no. Like before everything went down, he was Vince's protege. They are not going to give up on this guy. So take your medicine. He's going to be around for a while unless he absolutely freaking flames out. And here's the other thing. Let's think about the last guy that was, quote, unquote, Vince's chosen one. It was Drew McIntyre. And he fell flat on his face because everybody felt like he got kind of jettisoned right to the front of the line. They're not doing that with Austin Theory. They're giving us the slow burn, and that's okay. Right. He's he's the U.S. champion. He's literally a mid-carder. Yeah, they're not. Yep. They're not trying to make him a main. They're not trying to tell you he's a main event guy. Because remember, they, I mean, they did that with Randy Orton very early. And that was one of the things that turned me off about Randy Orton. There was a, there's a whole discussion to be had about Randy Orton. And if we have time, it's not just Randy Orton. It pertains to, um, <clears throat> it actually pertains to L.A. Knight. But I was going to make a comparison. If we can shoehorn that in later, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and um. So they they had you know they had a good tag team match and of course AJ and well uh, Anderson ended up teaming up with them for the tag team match and they you know and they won of course because you know the baby faces win those matches at house shows all the time. Yes. <laughs> right. So and that, that, was that was a good start and then next uh, Gunther defended the Intercontinental title against uh, Chad Gable and Matt Riddle. That had to be a good one. It, oh, it was. And another thing that's just changed now, like Gunther came out with a uh, Kaiser. And then, you know, Gable came out with Otis and Maxine. And, you know, there was a time where at house shows, you know, if, one, if one half of the tag team was in a singles match, then the other guy had a night off, basically. Yeah. Or in some cases, the manager didn't even come to the house shows if, you know, they weren't going to be figured into the finish or whatever. Right. So I, I've got to imagine they're trying to get Maxine's reps now. Yeah. Now, she didn't. Now, um, so. 
you know, they were out there and, you know, Kaiser was cheating for Gunther because it was a triple threat match. It was no disqualification. So Kaiser was just, he was just interfering whenever he got an opportunity. And then at one point, I think him and Otis got on the apron. And then so I think Otis knocked him down. And then Gunther chopped Otis a couple of times. Otis got into his little shaking routine and everything on the apron. <laughs> you know, and that was fun. Um, one thing that, man, Gunther is, I think he might be better at than anybody is like shutting people down when they're trying to come back. Like just, you know, when yeah. somebody's making a comeback on them and he just stops them dead. Yeah, he cuts them off better than anybody. Yeah, and and now this match, um, this was kind of funny at the very beginning. You know, Gable did the thank you thing. He put it, you know, he put his fingers up in the air, and he Gunther booted him right in the face to start the match. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I mean, they, I mean, they had a really good match, and they, you know, they were doing all types of stuff. And of course, you know, Gunther wins. You know, you know. That's what, that's another thing. House shows. You know, if it's a title match, the champion is retaining the title. Yeah, one um, way or but, another. Yeah, so he, yeah, he, he, I think he pinned, uh, he pinned Gable. Yeah. And so that was really good. Then next was, was Rhea and Natty. They had a, it was a good match. They got, they, it was short. They went about six minutes. And, you know, Rhea tapped her out with the prism trap thing. And then, you know, she gets on the mic and she introduces Dominic. Dominic comes out there. And then he wrestled Cody. And forever long they're doing this with him and Cody on the house shows, I think it's a good thing because, you know, he needs, uh, Dominic, he just, he needs more chances to go out there and work with veteran people. Yeah. And well, then, it should be noted new North American champion. Yeah. Dom Dom. Let's put some yeah. respect on it. Dirty, dirty Dom. Yeah. Dirty Dom. And uh, so. Boy, the marks are mad about that one. <laughs> well, I, oh I just, man, I wanted, I, I, wanted, I popped. I, I wish they hadn't done, you know, with the run West was on. I wish it hadn't ended that way for him. But, yeah, but I, uh, I understand why they did it's, it. I mean, it's NXT, and you know what? It's a. I mean, I. I think I'd this is chapter two of a three-part story. I mean, you lost to, you know, with the bloodline in shambles right now, you lost to, by default, the most dominant faction on the main roster. There's nothing, you didn't lose to Dirty Dom, you lose, you lost to the Judgment Day. So, I mean, he doesn't look bad at all. And he held that title forever. Well, according, you know, according to some people, when NXT champions lose the people in the main roster, we, it kills their momentum and it buries them. Okay, we call, we call them those people capital t capital p <laughs> and we do not listen to those people rob i know <laughs> I get to, I, you, you know we simply watch the show and enjoy it as much as but we can okay yes <laughs> okay so i was enjoying the show that they were giving me uh okay. my uh, my wife i i you know i did jump off and uh uh, jump on Diablo because I'm still cranking away at that. Um, and uh, my wife, my wife came out. She's like, "Dirty Dom." I'm like, "I know. I turned it off. I can't believe it." Um, but yeah, no, he, that that got that gets you mad in all the best ways. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, Cody came out. They had to match Rhea. Interfered a bunch of times, and then she eventually got caught by the referee, and the referee threw her out. You know, and that's that's okay. always one of the best parts of these things when they're like, "You're out of here," you know. 
Yep. Because the well, because the ref uh, can really, really sell the windup. Oh yeah. You know, at a house show that you can't you can't do that on Monday Night Raw when it's actually an angle. Yeah. So you can do the whole rolling the hands and you are, you know. Yeah. And so you know, of course, Cody wins, and then you know he gets on the microphone and he's you know thanks everybody for coming out and oh. you know, and he. Then you know they went to the intermission and he stuck around a little bit longer and signed the monographs and all that stuff. And then after the intermission, we had a summary execution. Uh oh. Of one Mister Akira Tozawa. Oh no. Poor Tozawa. So he comes out there, and when he came out there, I already had that feeling of like, uh oh, this is just <laughs> something bad about to happen here. Either this is the start of a bunch of entrances and we're getting a battle royal, or yeah, or he's going to be losing to a very large human being. <laughs> and yeah. So I figured, well, so this is either going to be Bronson Reed or it's going to be Omos, and it was Omos, and Ooh. and you cannot. Oh. Okay, I was again, I was on the floor by the aisle. You cannot appreciate just how big that dude is until you see him like at that level. Big monster, is he? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then, got, and then, you know, he got in the ring, and seeing him in the ring across from Tozawa, it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's like the one NXT house show I went to uh, before he became Commander Aziz. It was Babatunde, who was only, like, maybe a half an inch shorter than uh, than yeah. Omas. Yeah. That's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. And so... You know, they it was it was you know it was, it was a squash, but almost looked really good. Yeah. Doing it. Nice. So I mean, it, and I mean, they went a few minutes, and of course, he did a bunch of power stuff and all that, of course. But I mean, he looked really good doing it. And Tazawa, you know, look, Tazawa can sell that stuff really good. It looked. I mean, Tazawa's always fun, though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So then after that match it came. Well, it wasn't the official main event, but it was my main event. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, is she doing house shows? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> look, she, well, look, she does house. She she's always does house shows. Uh, she doesn't wrestle on TV as much as she used to. Uh, but so it was a four-way match for the... Look, from, I'm going to call it the SmackDown Women's title because, damn it, the belt is for SmackDown and, you know... I might know it's got a different name, but it, it you know, whatever. It's the SmackDown Women's Title. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, but it was Charlotte, Bianca, Bailey <laughs> against Oscar, and it was really good. Of course, you would expect that from those four. And so, you know, Charlotte and Bianca had a few kind of one-on-one sequences during the match, and then at some points, it was kind of like almost like a tornado tag team match almost kind of feel because you know charlotte and bianca were, were fighting you know bailey and oscar and so i mean they and they, you know they got a lot of their good stuff in but they also you know but they're, they're very clearly saving some for SummerSlam or whenever yeah right? and so at the end let me see um it was and it was your usual kind of multi-person match finish i think bianca gave bailey kod and then Oscar threw her out of the ring and t- stole the pin. Cool. Nice. And then 
that led us to the official main event of the night, which was uh, Seth and Finn, and they they had a really good match, and they got they went they went long, and so I think they're kind of making up for lost time because it was it Money in the Bank. They only had like a ten minute match, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you know Seth got busted open the hard way at one point, like ah. it was like back of his head or behind the ear or something. Like it wasn't on his face, but he was bleeding from like the back of his head or back of his neck or something. What did he hit? Um, well, because I think the one of the turnbuckle pads came off. Oh. And I don't know if that was like planned. I forget whether it happened like on purpose or just by itself, but um. And so he got he got busted open on that late in the match, and it, you know he was bleeding from the back of the head. But they you know, they finished the match. It didn't look like they cut the match short or anything. They had a really good match, and of course he wins. And then you know he closes and he gets on the mic. He thanks everybody, and of course he had to, he had to, he had to get his little routine in. But <laughs> I know seeing this title defended all the time means something to you guys. Gotta wonder where they're going with that. Unless the, the unless the plan for forty is Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, which I still believe it is. We're not getting The Rock. I agree with everybody. The The Rock is not coming back to wrestle. We're not getting Cody and Roman too next year in Philly. I, I know Jay disagrees with us. Jay thinks he's going Rocky Balboa, and he's going to win it. And, uh, Cody's going to win it in Philly. I don't think that's where we're going. And um. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know where this is leading. I mean, because uh, he, you know, because he keeps saying it, and it's, um, so I mean, I, I don't know if that's just, I, mean, I don't know if that's a planned thing they have, or if it's his, or if he thinks it's some type of just angle that. It's you know. got to be a thing because he was on uh, Paul Logan Paul's show, Impulsive, and he totally put over the work that Roman's doing right now. Yeah. Like, did you catch any of that? Um, I saw a few, a little bit of it. Yeah, he totally put over what Roman's doing right now, you know, and that's you know that's like a shoot when he's talking on there. So I, I have a feeling this is a bit, and, and it's leading somewhere. And he's said he said a couple of years before this, like you know, the best I can hope for it is to be the macho to his Hogan. Yeah, you know. So we all know what it is, guys, and he does, and he's doing just fine with it. Yeah. But that was the show. It was a it was a really good show, and it was one of the better ones I've been to. I've been to several house shows. Uh, I was, honestly, the only match that really felt like a filler match was the Omos squash match because I've I've been to house shows where there've been several matches that were just like okay, they couldn't get anybody else tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had one of those at the last WWE house show I went to. This isn't a knock on Titus because I love Titus O'Neil, but the filler match of the night. Was Titus O'Neil squashing EC3? Wow! Yeah, and it was so funny because EC3 like cut this promo, and it was interesting because it really seemed like they were going to go somewhere where he's like, you know, I've had this kind of start-stop thing, and it, I don't even remember the whole promo, but it was basically him promising everybody that better was yet to come, and I guess better yes. was him being released. Um, but yeah, oh, he went out, but but then again, Orlando's kind of Titus's home home turf. Yeah, I think he's actually from Tampa, which is only an hour, hour and a half down the road. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was the filler match, the, the last house show I went to. We're going back. This is before the pandemic. Well, like EC3 is about about the challenge for the NWA World Title, so you need to 
pay him due difference. So. Yeah, we're not mentioning that shit on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Until Billy Corgan gets his crap together over there in NWA, we're not giving them any time on this show. I mean, you know, look, I mean, he could have had LA Knight versus Ricky Starks, but he lost, but, you know. No. Got leave. We, yeah. got, we got Tyrus and EC3. <laughs> Yahoo. All right, so let's keep with the boots on the ground theme and throw it over to Jason, our man on the street for AEW Blood and Guts this past Wednesday. Jason, let's start here. How was the turnout? Like the live crowd? Turnout, turnout was great. It was yeah. a full like a, it was a full house. Um, they didn't sell out the camera side balcony. They didn't sell the camera side balcony at all. And they did. I think they sold like a smattering in the on the other side of the balcony, but the rest of the building was full. Yeah. And it was a good crowd. It was a different demographic than I am. I have seen at WWE shows. It skewed more towards me. Is uh, so yeah. Uh, that's where that's at. I mean, I don't. You know, every 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 yeah. Every, it was it was. Pretty cool though. The once you got in there and saw the set, the set was downright awesome. Um, they've done a great job with the LED boards and everything like that. And I love the washed out white light or the white lights that they do for the um, that NXT's kind of copy copied for a little while with the main events and stuff like that. With the everything's dark except the ring. Um, that did, if you noticed on my timeline, I didn't really have any pictures or anything from the event. Because just the way they were angled and the way our seats were, all my pictures were washed out. Yeah. Um, so that was a big bummer. But uh, that might be as much of the Garden's problem as it was AEW. So I'm not going to put that on anyone. It just is what it is. Well, and uh, I'll, I'll pause you there for a sec when it comes to pictures. I, I'm not a big picture taker at these shows. Like I, The NXT show I went to a few weeks ago, I probably took a dozen or so pictures and our boss greg demarco when i shared them he's like oh you didn't get any pictures or video of this i'm like thinking to myself i'm like no i went to watch the show I'm, yeah i'm not a big video guy i'm never gonna watch the videos again really unless i'm getting something really cool or i know i'm gonna get like history maybe yeah um but even then i i don't i don't i don't take many videos but pictures yeah because i put them on you know facebook i put them on my google home you know, and they, they scroll by on our Google Home. So in, you know, three, four, five, ten years, I'll see this picture of the big, you know, Boston blood and guts and me and Emily right outside. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a fun night. Yeah, for memory purposes, yes. I take, yeah, exactly. I take a few pictures. And then if I think, like, if there's a point in the match where it looks like something big is about to happen, I'll catch, try to catch a few seconds of that. But now, mostly, yeah, for the most part, I do, I, you know, once they get in the ring, I put the phone in my pocket and I sit down and I just try to watch and take it in. Well, let me ask you guys this, and I, Rob, I'll start with you because you went to a WWE show. When I went to NXT a few weeks ago, they had a huge audio disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Feel free to take pictures, but if you're caught shooting audio, you know, or doing doing video, you run the risk of losing your device and facing prosecution. Did they give that disclaimer at the uh, the house show you went to? Um, they might have. I know they've given it like at Raw and SmackDown when I've gone. Um, and it's okay if I think like one of the one of the security guys 
looked at people a couple of times like, come on, man, right? I mean. Yeah, they, they don't want to be a dick and throw you out, but. Yeah, and so yeah. if I if I took a video or something, I, I, it was literally like a few seconds, and then I put my phone back down. Yeah. Because um, I think the biggest thing, they don't want you, like, they don't want you sitting there filming the whole match. Right. If you take 10 or 15 seconds of video, somebody, you know, standing on the, the corner doing their pose, or if, like Rob said, if you know it's a point in a match where you're about to hit a big move and you can get your camera going quick enough, you want to catch that. But, yeah, they don't want you recording whole matches, uploading them to YouTube and making money off of that. Yeah, and because, like, there are people who, who put whole matches on their YouTube channel from how yeah. Um, but you know, I, and so now I, 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 I try not, you know, again, you know, just if I get a few seconds or something, okay. And then, but if the guy's looking at us, then, then come on, then be respectful and just say, okay. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Did they give a disclaimer at blood and guts? Um, I didn't remember the, um, my gosh. No, but that brings me to one of my first points. They, I don't believe they put it in the disclaimer, but I kind of passed out because, holy shit, they spent, like, I'm not kidding, three full minutes on the code of conduct. Oh, wow. Like, it was, like, no profanity, no to instruct other people's views, don't do this, don't do that, don't engage in, like, riotous activity, like, all this. I'm not kidding you. It was two pages on the the titan tron two wow. pages and it had at least i'm gonna be nice and say six points each but i feel like it was more closer to eight or ten wow so it was very interesting because i remember like code of Con like real quick code of conducts at the beginning of like celtics games red sox games you know uh you know don't don't be an asshole blah 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 reporting some suspicious activity to you know red sox security or whoever security you know, we take four, 40 seconds, you know, maybe. Oh, but anyway, that was my first impression. Like, like, oh, yeah, that's right. We have to teach these animals how to behave. Um, so, <laughs> Especially that crowd. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, to my credit, to my, our section's credit, we had a, a fun section of folks who were uh, really, really interested, really into things. It was, it was. Uh, a lot of adults that I believe in my heart of hearts that I'm not making fun, uh, that they, it is on some level still real to them. So it was it was a genuinely fun environment to be part of. Um, so it was so. But anyway, the show started with uh, ju uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. No more. As he has now they showed a vignette where he was out in the desert. Bear, uh, he was dragging a pair of boots that then he threw into a, a grave that he then buried. And he's sitting there in a leather jacket and cool pants and whatnot. And a dark limo pulls up. He pull, opens the limo door, like looks in, gets in the limo, shuts the door. The limo drives off. And suddenly the, um, I forget what it was, but some classical, like, you know, free use classical music starts um yeah. one of beethoven's or something and he and it literally sounds and i'm not making fun because i believe it was the intentional it sounds just like i literally bought a free one i didn't even get an artist i know to do it for me uh, i literally just pulled a free one off the internet because he had no titan tron 
uh, no graphics, whatnot, and he just came out in his leather jacket and his pants, and it was Jack Perry. So he is a a jungle boy no more. Uh, Jungle boy is dead, and as as the man behind me put it, he is no longer a jungle boy, he is a jungle man. And so, uh, but anyway, he had a great match with uh, the uh, FATW champion Hook that uh, he did beat. And he is now the new FTW champion. He took that championship like he had, you know, like he had stolen something, which he had. He had done some, uh, there was an unhooked turnbuckle and some some shenanigans afoot. Um, and so that was that was really fun. It was awesome to see Hook live he's another one of those that like nope you don't get it until you see him live until you see how fast that dude can cross the ring and how ridiculously he actually looks so as much as i say he looks like a tekken character he actually behaves like one it's not just tv magic like he's just like whap, 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 but it still looks like every hit hits with a thousand tons Right. So the guys, the guys, very, very special. I really, really hope that um, Taz isn't, you know, is is open to uh, his progeny going to all camps um, because I'd love to see that dude everywhere. Uh, anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we got to what I can only describe as the uh, token women's match oh, because boy. it was already in the ring. Kayla Sparks. Uh, local talent, yeah, not local. I don't, I don't know her, but apparently she's wrestled all over North America. So um, not just a fib. But I saw that on a couple of dirt sheet tweets and folks I know who know her. Or so good for her. She got a payday, but uh, she tapped to the lockjaw in a minute, maybe thirty. And Could she wrestle? Because bro, sorry, uh, she wrestled Doctor Brick Baker. D M and the match was all of a minute a minute uh maybe a minute 30 and uh that was it for the women for the night so wow great great job all around by everybody um <laughs> next up we had tripping the in sarcasm bl- the finals of the blind eliminator tag team tournament for a future aew world tag team championship which is fun i think uh, has been a lot of fun from what I've seen as a casual AEW watcher. Adam Cole and MGF be, be, being these, you know, you, you know, frenemies, and then you know, all oh, bud, they bond over the over the bonding of wrestling, and you know, just figuring out that they both love being dastardly pricks sometimes, and stuff like that. So they've been just doing this buddy comedy with these two, which has been genuinely no snark, really awesome sports entertainment hilarity. Um, so there was, it was, they were up against, uh, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara of, of the, uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Jericho was on commentary. Thankfully, that's as close as he got to involved in the show. So that was wonderful. But Adam Cole and MJF teased the, the, the big double clothesline, you know, where they blink hands and clothesline the dude and that was going to be their big move and they've been teasing it and teasing it and teasing it and teasing it couldn't quite hit it couldn't quite hit it they teased it a couple times here missed it missed it missed it and boy they finally hit it and everybody popped and they did it it was really a cool fun genuine moment so hats off to everybody 
And they, uh, what I thought was very, very interesting is they've teased the whole when are they going to turn on each other thing. Can they coexist? And so far, so good. But obviously, the sticking point is that MJF is the current AEW World Heav- World Champion. And, and boy, Adam Cole, baby, would sure like to be the AEW World Champion. So um, that's been a, a little bit of a point of contention. And one thing I noticed that was kind of weird is that, uh, and I'm, somebody can correct me if, I was, if I'm totally off base here, but I was there and I was directly across from the Titantron. And like, they ran some graphics for the um, for MJF on the on the screen above, and he came out and with their you know music that's been blended together, uh, and then they uh, Adams uh, interspersed in the graphics was just a picture of the AEW World Championship because he is the AEW World Champion, and that's what they do. They put a big title picture of the belt above the guy when they're coming out or the gal or whatever. <clears throat> so I thought it was interesting that when the video, the video stopped when they cued Adam's part of the song and Adam came out and it was all about the boom. And, you know, he comes out and, and the graphic was stuck on the AEW world championship. So it can't, when they came to the ring, it's as if, Adam was AEW world champion. I don't know if they were trying to play into that. I haven't heard it in commentary. Maybe they're going to bring it up later. Uh, because or one maybe thing it was I'll just say, a production issue. Right, or maybe it was just a stupid production issue and I was, you know, being dumb. But, uh, I mean, at the end, when Adam and, you know, MJF did win, you know, Adam looked at the, the championship and MJF kind of looked at him and there was that moment, you know, even though they have now the... Uh, they did have a stare down with FTR, the current AEW tag team champions, who they now have a title shot against. So uh, yeah, tension all around. I don't, uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's going to be a lot of fun, I'd bet. So um, that match was a lot of fun though. And uh, let's see, next we had we yeah we went right into um, blood and guts. So it was the Golden Elite, which was Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Nick and Matt Jackson, and Kota Ibushi versus the Black, Blackpool Combat Club. So that's John Moxley, Cla- Claudio Castiglio, Ca- Claudio, and Wheel- no Claudio <laughs> and Wheeler and Wheeler Yuta, along with uh, the on loan from the uh, Don Callis family, uh, Takashida and Pac. Take uh, of his own volition, taking the place of Daniel Bryan. Uh, so they had a blood and guts match, which I'm still not sure what the rules are because if they were explaining him to the people at home, they didn't explain it to the people in the arena. And that's the one thing I'll kind of say about the 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 whole thing. And maybe it was because they couldn't use the um, Titantron above the ring, like the scoreboard. Titantron because the that's the blood and guts structure was around it until the end of the show, but they didn't have a live feed of anything on TV for us, except during the matches. Uh, they had it on one of the uh, on the Titantron above the uh, the ramp, which was kind of eh, eh. 
They didn't, they were like, no, we didn't see any of the, I don't believe we saw any of the interview segments or anything like that. Um, no, we saw all the backstage, backstage stuff, but anything else that was on. Uh, so anything Renee did, we saw. Uh, anything else, I felt like we didn't see because, uh, yeah, it was a little hard to keep up at at home. But in any case, the, or excuse me, at the show versus at home. Um, but in any case, the match itself was exactly what you expected. It was a total and utter car crash. Uh, and I think I gave a little bit of leeway last week when we were discussing the report that, you know, Warner Brothers had handed down this fiat of no more violence, no more blood, no more this, no more, <clears throat> uh, no more blood and guts. Um, and I even said, like, OK, even if this is true, I feel like they have a little leeway with blood and guts. And so when Mox was busted open almost immediately, like, OK, whatever. Yeah, they probably knew that was going to happen. And then they instead of so we did a, you know, a hazardous thing on the ground uh, that we slammed that everyone gets slammed into. But instead of thumbtacks this time, it was broken glass, which was a fun thing until the like three guys got slammed onto this supposed like jagged, horrid, broken glass. And I'm not even kidding. Well, watching on the Titan Tron, not not I don't even think any of them got their back scratched, let alone like pierced or punctured or whatever. So it was yeah. very clearly this the stunt glass like made from sugar. That um so that was kind of like a oh well maybe there was some truth to that whole violence thing, especially when they then pulled out a bed of spikes. That's right, a bed of spikes. It was a table. About as long as a man, and it had spikes, like, about as long as my forearm. And they were probably a half inch, maybe an inch apart, all the way down, uh, either way. And then everyone got suplexed onto it and bounced off of it and went, oh, out my back. And again, not one of them even had a red mark on their back. So, yeah, you asked me to suspend my disbelief, and I'm totally cool with that. I walked into this building thinking that you guys were the, the the hardcore game in town. And, you know, if I'm not a super plugged in super wrestling fan, I don't know about this, you know, no violence fiat thing. So I know that, that that's not even a thing in my mind. So, yeah, it was kind of weird, honestly. When I've seen you, like, cut someone open with a pizza cutter on Wednesday night, you know, it, it was weird. Uh, it felt stunt showy in, like, a dorky way um because it was like it was the people who say we'll always go go over the line not very clearly shying away from the line and then even deliberately walking up to the line and then turning around and walking away it's like you don't even have to put yourself in the first that spot in the first place just use a table that's a good idea just use a table in any case the match itself ended really really weird because i know the golden elite are the are the faces are they though for me they are because the blackpool combat club are being jackasses right now so they are behaving very healy and whatnot but you know claudio and Pac had a thing and you know uh claudio went for a kick and missed his target hit Pac. They've been having tension the whole time, so Pac was like, you know, screw this, screw you guys, I'm going home. And he 
left the cage. He grabbed a wire cutter, cut the bolt, left. And then, you know, when Don Callis, apparently, uh, now I realize, thanks to people telling me after the show, because I had no idea beforehand, uh, Takashita, again, is on loan from the black, from the Don Callis family, and that's why Don Callis was out there, um, uh, which he was on commentary, and I, again, had no idea why. Um, so, Takashita, when Don Callis sees the wind blowing against the, the Black Bull Combat Club, Taka, uh, he says, hey, my guy's got to get out of there, too. Takashita goes, you got it, boss. I'm out of here, too. And he leaves. <laughs> and then they have... I actually they, don't get, dislike that. <laughs> well, yeah, but then they don't just, like, win. The elite don't just, like, win and by sheer number and skill at that point. No, they had to get Wheeler Yuta... Like in a tug of war choke between two of the bucks, I believe. So they both had him like noosed with like a belt uh, or a, ro- a cord, uh, and they were literally choking him out. Uh, Mox was handcuffed to the ropes, and apparently Mox called for the we surrender because, and again, I did not know that until I got home. Uh, so Mox surrendered because they had, you know, they were about to pop. Yuta's head like a pinata. So, uh, yeah, it was a weird, weird ending. And then they did uh, after the curtain, you know, the curtain call thing. They did a curtain call thing, which leads me to believe that this feud is over. Which means we believe, like, no, that's not how you. Most people in my timeline were complaining about the the finish. Yeah, the good guys don't win that way. Because the two of the bad guys picked up their ball and went home, and then you still had to literally choke the life out of one of the other dudes and make another dude surrender for him. No, that's how bad guys win, man. Hey, didn't I call it at so, the beginning again, of this discussion? Are they really the ba- are they really the baby faces though? Ex- exactly. So like that is what I've led to believe, and despite my per- and you know between their behavior and my personal dislike for them, I have no you know. I have no reason to take them as baby faces. So this just kind of fell flat for me. Um, yeah. the ending anyway. Uh, then, and again, that's been a common complaint with that show. Like the rest of the show, everybody felt was fine. The match itself, a lot of people and people that have been heavily critical of AEW in the past use the words, I was entertained or I was sports entertained. Um, yeah. And But up until the finish. Yep. That's exactly how I put it, and it it did feel weird in the building. Even though everyone was mostly pro-elite, it was kind of a, like, hesitant applause, and then it it got going because they just started grab-assing and having Everybody played along. Right, but it was like a, okay, that's how we're going to win. Yeah, And I'll defend AEW to the line here because I've done it with WWE and we do try to be fair here. If the rest of the show was good, are you going to let one shitty spot ruin the whole thing for you? Absolutely not. I was sports entertained. Then then it was worth your time and worth your money. Two things. uh, Before the show, we were welcomed to the show by uh, Justin Roberts, who is a fucking terrible MC. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, everybody, we're going to start a dynamite. It's going to be in about five minutes. So we're going to have, you know, Hook is here. He's the FTW champion. He's going to be in action against uh, 
Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. <laughs> so doesn't that sound good? He sounds like an afternoon or like late night talk show host or something. I don't know. I like I dig his style, but I don't know. He was not a great MC to get the crowd going. Uh, but any in any case, of course, the master of ceremonies himself came out with uh, you know two minutes to, till till airtime. Tony Khan came right out there. And he had the very, uh, he was talking with his mouth very wide open. Oh, well, welcome everybody to Rampage or Dynamite tonight. We have a great Royal Rampage and blood and guts. You know, it sounded like he had just annihilated his nasal cavity with a bazooka right before he walked out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. Find a clip of the dude, and you. Oh, uh, was he was he suited, man? <laughs> oh, the guy was fucking on the moon, and God bless you, Tony. <laughs> he was having a good time. And trust me, Tony, I know what that sounds like, man. Sorry, you can't fool me. <laughs> so Jason, like, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Yeah, bought the t-shirt, you know. Exactly. So That's amazing. But honestly, it was fun to see that. I mean, just to experience it, it was just like, all right, there he is. And honestly, one of the, my favorite things, you, you, he was on the broadcast, apparently. He did make a, his appearance before, uh, during the broadcast b- behind commentary. But I was worried that you guys would not see to go along with their little chair, the little advertisement for Shark Week on Discovery Channel, which they had like right up front, you know, at the, you know, at the stage, which yeah. is awesome. You know, get that check, get that, you know, network money, get that, you know, keep that relationship going, grease those gears, absolutely. But we were blessed by the arrival of Chompy, which was literally just a man, a grown man in a shark shark suit, who walked around the ring giving high fives and then walked out. This is before the show. Walked around the ring, gave everyone high, high fins. And then walked out by backstage. And then he came out and did the thing behind commentary, just dancing behind commentary. And then that was it. That was it for Chompy. I was expecting him to, like, get, you know, get whatever Cole's calling, uh, the last last shotted or stunned by Tony Khan or something like that. But uh, uh, AEW slowly jumping on to the the kids and nanas train. They slowly are, but surely they're getting on board with it. Exactly. Like, I think they did... You know, they're big, big, big spots aside from Mox getting his face busted open, which he might have just done completely independently of anyone else knowing anything about anything because he's probably Mox. taking an arm drag, too. Right, exactly. So I don't I literally don't know what happened because that was that's another thing about it being live. I could see pretty well into the cage. I don't think I think their cage structures cage structures. Awesome, by the way. Uh, that cage came down. It looked intimidating as hell. It came down steady and slow like. It was it was cool, um, and it looked solid as hell, and it wasn't too hard to see through. I was at a weird angle where I did have two posts right side by side, but again, that's also just kind of the luck of the draw with your seats, and you have that problem with hell in the cells and regardless, so yeah. it is what it is. Uh, but aside from that little spot, I, I had a great view of all the action. The problem is, uh, as AEW likes to do, the action was going in all corners at all, almost all times. So it, nobody really did the, hey, we're laying around so we can focus on somebody else. Uh, obviously, some guys, you know, did play fighting for a little while, taking it off. But for the most part, if there was action in one ring, 
there was probably action in the other one. Um, yeah. It was t- fun, but kind of tough to follow live, but whatever. It was still overall fun. Um, and uh, Abushi uh, got a fun pop, uh, and he just kind of, I don't know, he looked, he looked like slow. A lot of people are saying that he's he's showing the mileage. I won't say age because I don't think Ibushi's that old. Oh, but they're they're saying he's showing the mileage. Well, look, that that guy hasn't seen a neck bump that he would he turned down taking. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Remember, you guys are the ones who want Nakamura to go back and do that shit. Yeah, and listen, um, I'm just gonna say this, Coda. Um, you should have taken the Fed money in 2016 when you were in the cruiserweight classic. You should have, you should have taken the money. Yeah. Well, well right. uh, in any case. Oh, so, no, it uh, sounds like you had a good time though, Jason. Oh, I had a blast. It was, good. it was an awesome time. Uh, we didn't stay for rampage. We made a business decision. Um, and we went, we went home, uh, cause we were a little tired, but, um, it was, it was an awesome time. So good. Good deal. Good deal. All right, why don't we, before we go to the next segment, I do want to invite you all to go over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. From there, you can pick up your favorite Chair Shot Radio Network uh, podcast t-shirt, including your own Mindless Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Pick one up, pick it up in soft style. Your skin will thank you. We will thank you. Want to get into a brief discourse here uh, about LA Knight. Before we get into our final segment of the night, I want to take a little detour here. Because uh, Kevin Nash made some comments recently, and, you know, we've always been big supporters of Big Kev. Kev's got a good eye for the business, got a good eye for talent, got a good mind for it all. But he made some comments recently kind of that were negative about L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight is arguably the, the internet wrestling community flavor of the week. I like the guy. I think he's got a good thing going. I think he's a heck of a lot of fun. The internet wrestling community, at least this week, agrees with that sentiment. And disagrees with Big Kev's assessment that he really isn't anything more than an, an, a, uh, an imitation of The Rock. And there's a solid argument that can be made there. But it also goes a bit deeper than that. Um, I, I want to start off with you, Rob. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the comments. Yeah. And, and uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, one, um, Kevin, if anybody has the right to their opinion in the wrestling business, it's him. Um, and one, it's, it is perfectly fine for somebody to have an opinion that you disagree with, right? Mm-hmm. It, like, it doesn't have to be like national outrage, like, like, oh no, he said something that I don't think is correct. You know, I mean, like, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be all of that. You know, some people made it out to be, um, I think that's kind of to say is a imitation. I think, I don't know. I think it's kind of generalizing, um, I do think now the way he does on the mic is, I mean, it is a throwback definitely. Um, Cause you know, he, he, it's very kind of, kind of aggressive, I guess you could say it's not, you know, unfortunately. It's very of, macho. Yeah. I mean, with, with, I mean, a lot of promos now are monologues and you know, he's not, he's not monologuing out there. Um, and so it, it's definitely a throwback to earlier times. Um, but no, I don't think it's an imitation. No, I mean, um, 
And well, now he's and he's actually addressed this himself and said, "Look, if, I mean, if people see it like he compared it to, you know, he said, look, if I can be, you know, Kobe Bryant to somebody else's Michael Jordan, that's perfectly fine, you know, because look, Kobe basically did all the same stuff on the court that Mike did." Yeah. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I actually wasn't even gonna. I didn't even know he said that, but but I, my analogy was gonna be, I don't think it's an imitation. I think it's a stylistic choice. Yeah, and that's it's all it just, is. I mean, it's just like that. I he learned the same because he doesn't do like the same bits. But I, when you look a, a like a layer deeper, and it's like, but does he have a lot of the same timing and a lot of the same like? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cadence. Cadence. That was exactly stuff. the word I was looking for. Was cadence. Yeah, he does. Well, guess what, guys? He's forty. I'm thirty-seven. Guess who we grew up watching? Dwayne yeah. The Rock Johnson. Yeah. And, and, um, so, yeah, and he decided, I, you know, if I went to, you know, wrestle, I probably would have at least started, and he found his groove with, you know, I would have at least started with Dwayne and, you know, moved on from there. Uh, and he, you know, m- certainly made it his own, and it's just exactly, Rob, with, as he, he, apparently he said, it's just like, you know, Jason Tatum channeling Kobe and Kobe channeling Michael. You know, that's it's a stylistic choice, and it's what you grew up watching. I just think it's not, not a big deal. I don't think. I mean, no, no, it's not. At all. It's yeah. not, and and I'll build upon that by saying this: in <clears throat> it, it, can you make comparisons? Absolutely, but like someone that I follow on uh, on Twitter made a good point. She was like, "Look, she's like a lot of the people that he's reaching now didn't grow up with rock." You know, they heard about him. Their dads told them about him. Their older brothers told them about him. But they didn't. It's it's different to go back and watch it in retrospect than it was to live through, you know, Rocky Maivia evolving into the Rock right. and what the Rock became. It's a totally different experience um, to to live through it. I liken it to this. Back in uh, two thousand, my kids were born in two thousand five. In two thousand seven, I walked away from watching pro wrestling as a fan for several reasons. One was because I became a dad and my my priorities in life shifted. Another reason was The Rock was winding down. Stone Cold Steve Austin was pretty much done. And The Undertaker was, you know, transitioning into part-time. What I loved about pro wrestling at the time was going away. And we got John Cena. And, you know, by what, 2001... John Cena was in, but no, not 2001. When was it? Yeah, it was about 2001. Whatever it was, John Cena really started to pick up his stride. He went from being, you know, the colored tights guy to being the thugonomics John Cena. When I started watching what he was doing, I'm looking at this. I'm like, I'm not here for this because I looked at him the way Kevin Nash is looking at LA Knight. He was a, a, a rock wannabe. He was a fill-in for the rock. You know, and, and without understanding the fact that while, yeah, he had the five-knuckle shuffle, he had the, you know, the, the basic moves and everything like that, I didn't understand the nuance that he was taking this and making it his own. I also looked at Randy Orton the same way. Randy Orton, to me, was a stand-in, a fill-in for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell, they were even calling him the Viper, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a comparison to Stone Cold Steve Austin's Rattlesnake. So I'm looking at these two guys, and I'm like, nah, these are these are generic stand-ins for the guys that I liked. I'm not here for that. And I missed a lot of really good shit from John Cena and Randy Orton because I felt that way. 
And, you know, looking back at it, you know, 10, 12 years later, Randy Orton and John Cena went on to become their own entity, their own thing, like separate of Stone Cold and The Rock. And John Cena certainly carved out his own path. And I think L.A. Knight is in that in that conversation. Yes, there are similarities. Yes, the cadence, as Jason pointed out, is almost beat for beat. But that's okay because we don't have anything like that right now. And so many people have been missing that in their wrestling, and, and L.A. Knight is out here giving it to them. And I think that's cool. And I think, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, while I don't think L.A. Knight has that many years ahead of him, um, we're going to be having a much different discussion about the legacy he leaves behind. Do I think it's going to be a John Cena-type thing? No. But I certainly think he's going to take what he's doing. He's going to make it his own. He's going to make it special. And he's going to make the most of whatever time he's got left to do this shit. Yeah. And let me just add on. Look, um, I mean, I, like, you know, I started watching around 1985. And in 1985, 1986, I had never heard of the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Nope. <laughs> okay. I mean... I had never heard of him at that point. Right. And, but now the Nature Boy Ric Flair in, in time, the only thing that had similarities was they wore robes, they had blonde hair and they did the figure four. Outside Mm -hmm. of that, they were two entirely different people. Um, you know, and, but I'm sure that there are probably some people in 1984 or 1983 even saying, well, He's just doing the Buddy Rogers gimmick, you know. Um, there are people, you know, and I didn't see Superstar Billy Graham in 1977 when he was the WWF world champion. I saw Hulk Hogan in 1985. Um, uh, you know. Uh, well, using Ric Flair, how many wrestlers have done the strut or some version of the strut? Oh, a lot of them. You know. <laughs> I mean, I I just want to thank our listeners for coming along for Mindless Wrestling's another corner of, yes, wrestling is derivative. Get over it. <laughs> right. I mean, look, 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 the lead singer of my favorite band has a lyric that says, every artist is a cannibal, every poet is a thief. And that is absolute fact. Absolute oh. fact. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't really have anything else to add to that conversation. It was just a little side road I wanted to go yeah. on and pick you guys' brains and maybe throw out some perspective there. And I, I do want to add something, though. Um, go ahead. Folks, please, do not project this man to be a main to be in the main event or do not do not back your you know, where if he's not the world champion next year, you're going to be yelling that he was failed by creative or something. Please, just enjoy the ride. Okay. Wherever it leads, okay, they're not going to bury him. Okay, no. the guy survived a feud with Bray Wyatt. Okay, they and know what not, they got. Burying him. Okay, they're not going to bury him. All right, just enjoy it where it goes. If if he ends up getting a world title match in sometime in the next twelve months, enjoy that. If he ends up being a really excellent United States champion, enjoy that. Um, if he just ends up being a very entertaining segment of your weekly television show, then enjoy that. Just you know, okay. That loops that loops back to my point the other time, the other week. Like he's, I don't, 
maybe he'll get like an off month program, but I don't see him in uh, certainly as a world champion because that puts him in a hole that or that pigeonholes him. You can only use him certain ways, and WWE's proven that. I mean, even in yeah. the, the new regime, you, there's still certain lanes that just people stay in. Which, and if you move you him know, into that world title lane, who fills his void? Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And as always, as we like to ask on this program, okay, who's next? Who fills right. that void? Who takes right. that gap? Like, who fills this time? And if you don't have an answer, well, no, I'd rather watch LA Knight at, you know, a random segment at 8.15 that I'm going to actually, in, or, you know, 8.45 that I'm actually going to enjoy rather than, you know, go to the fridge. So, right. yeah, man. So he's, a, right. he's just a, he's, he's a, what's a, um, he's, he's a utility player, you know, just plug him, plug holes. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's, let's get into the main event here. We got to talk some bloodline guys. We, we have not talked bloodline yeah. in a couple weeks, which is embarrassing. Uh, it's, it's in full blown meltdown now. And I know we're, we're probably about a week or so behind the times. Uh, Jimmy Uso getting an absolute beatdown at the trial of Roman Reigns, the trial of the tribal chief. Uh, and now Jay stepping back up into the main event scene, challenging Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Uh, guys, this, this story is the gift that just keeps on giving. And it's been amazing. It's, this is such an amazing like, – at the start of this three years ago, if you'd have told me they were telling a three-year story – with more twists and turns, people being woven in and woven right back out, some people being woven in and out multiple times. Um, right. th- this has been phenomenal. Yeah, honestly, it's it's just every single time you think it's nearing the end, they can just reinvigorate it. Um, and and, and this, this has been... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll finish my thought in a minute. That's... It's all right. This is uh this has been a big point. Like whether we are at an end point or we are at a halfway point, I don't know, but well, I do know we're at a halfway point in my humble opinion. But in any case, it's it's not just a okay, we can, you know, we can fit this in. No, this is a monumental thing that you don't do unless you're ready to move this for, story forward in a monumental way. Um, which is going to be with certain characters and without certain characters. So yeah, it's been it's really been cool to watch because um, they've been selling it, man. Um, they, as I like to talk about, that little. I think I know where this is going based on just real world factors, such as Roman closing in on some pre- pretty titanic numbers uh, as world champion. Um, numbers that you can literally talk about for 200 years plus. Um, so, you know, that's that's a thing. Uh, but also, no, man, if this was, I think, Rob, you made this point on Twitter. So if I'm stealing your thunder, I apologize. But somebody on Twitter did. Uh, it was probably someone smart. So I'm going to contribute to it to Rob and say, if this was a comic book, Jey Uso would win this title at SummerSlam because that's how this story ends. Because that's how it started. Yeah. But, okay. So, all credit to you, because you are 1,000% correct. If if this was a, you know, Marvel movie, and, you know, or a comic book, 
absolutely Jey Uso is pinning Roman Reigns clean as a sheet one, two, three at SummerSlam. However, this is not comic books, so I expect this train to keep on chugging. Um, but along the way, we're going to get some pretty monumental stuff. Uh, and the ro- the side note, the beatdown Roman gave J- uh, Jimmy to start this whole thing was utterly fantastic. And really, really nice of uh, his tribal chief to put his cousin on the shelf just in time to go see his wife, uh, you know, defend, uh, excuse me, contest for the Impact Women's Championship. So hats off to the tribal chief for granting Jimmy that that reprieve. He granted him uh, some yeah. personal time off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, a couple, <laughs> couple of bro- fractures and stuff to go with it. But, hey, you know, that's the small price you pay for some time off. So, What's but, going to be interesting yeah. and intriguing to me, and I think I said this a couple episodes. I think I said this on the uh, the 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 tricast that we had with the DWI and the Attitude of Aggression guys here a couple weeks ago. I said um, I'm interested in where this goes after SummerSlam because the build for the last year has been building to this singular point where Jay and Roman finally get hands on each other again. Like you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were the were the sidebars to this larger story. Where does this go for Roman and more importantly, the family after SummerSlam? I mean, I I feel like Roman is going to put Jay in the dirt. Uh, I I think he's sending him to the tribal gods. Uh, After that, who's up next for Roman Reigns? Now you've always got Lashley hiding in the wings. Right. Or, yeah, but but then it's just Roman and, and and Solo, allegedly because you know they teased a little bit with Solo kind of staring at the lay before he handed it off. Um, so there's a lot of nuances here. I'm interested to see now that's like I feel like we're at the halfway point, but I don't know what the other half of the story is going to be because Roman has kind of run through a lot of the major players, so. It's it's gonna it's, the time from SummerSlam to Royal Rumble is gonna be really really interesting for WWE programming as it pertains to the to the bloodline and more specifically Roman Reigns. Yeah, because right wow. now, um, assuming that he retains the title, which I, I'm I'm assuming he is going to, um, there's gonna be some questions. I guess again, how do you pass the next few months? Um, who ultimately emerges, you know, on the road to WrestleMania to challenge him. Or maybe, you never know, um, maybe, you know, he puts Jay down at SummerSlam and maybe Jay is out for a while. Maybe Jay wins the Royal Rumble. And they, and, and then Jay beats him. I mean, I know, look, I mean, just everything we know about wrestling history says that Jay is not going to beat him. But this is one of those times where it actually makes sense. And this is not, because look, this is not, you know, rooting for the guy who's been in the mid card his whole life because he deserves it. This is not that. No, they're telling a story. Here. No, yeah. this is, and the story is actually for a change. It's about the characters. Yes. You're rooting so, for the character here. You're not rooting for the guy who plays the character. Exactly. So just by the story that's been told, 
Jay Uso, the character, should be the one who beats Roman Reigns. It should not beat anybody else. I mean, and I'm and I'm planting the flag here. Okay, it should not be. It should not be anyone else. That is the Jay Uso should be the one who beats Roman Reigns. It should not. It should have never been Sami Zayn. Should have never been Kevin Owens. And it should not be Cody because Cody is a complete outsider to this entire thing. Um, Cody was a acceptable WrestleMania opponent. Okay. That I mean, that's Cody was a worthy and acceptable night two main event WrestleMania opponent for Roman Reigns. He was not the person who should have beaten him. There's absolutely no story logic whatsoever that pointed that Cody should have won that match. Zero. I mean, other than oh, he came back and and he sold a bunch of T-shirts. No, okay. I mean, no. Look, with this, we're not we're not in that era now. Okay, we were, that was what it was ten years ago, or maybe even five years ago. That's what it was. Okay, we're not. It's not that now. Okay, uh, we're not we're not doing that here. So. We, again, we have an actual story with actual characters who have their own motivations and their own definition and their own kind of narratives, right, um, through the story. And so, you know, Jey Uso is the one going by the story. It should be Jey Uso who beats Roman Reigns. It should yeah. not be anybody else. I don't care how many T-shirts they're selling. Well, let's talk about the story for a minute, because everything, you know, with Cody Rhodes revolves around finishing the story. Finishing the story, you know, yes, Roman Reigns is in possession of the belt, championship, title, whatever you want to call it, that is currently held by Roman Reigns. That's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes' story is tied and linked to that championship. Cody's story is not linked to Roman Reigns being the champion if and when the time comes for him to claim it. Right. I mean, Cody can beat anybody for that championship. Yeah. And honestly, look, don't be. It is very possible that finish the story was just a cool line he came up with for a promo. And very possible. It's and again, it 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 sold WrestleMania. It sold that main event. And that that might be all it is. That really might be all it is. It may not be any deeper. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Go back to his second night back. Literally, the first thing he talked about. Was his dad almost kind of sort of winning the WWE championship? Yes. Finish the story is absolutely a reference to that. Because he said, I'm going to win it for dad. He said it night one. So I think there's no, there's no, there's no side, well, there's going to be side roads and whatnot. But I think there's no miss, no leeway on what the goal is. And what but there's also no story. time limit on it either. No, he's that still young enough. That there definitely is. You could just go for three or four years, man. Well, well, I mean, in 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 regards to Roman Reigns, I'm just him. In regards to him facing Roman Reigns, I'm saying finish the story. Oh, no. just been a, a nice sounding line he came up with for a promo. Yeah, but I I think that's just what it means. It's winning the WWE Championship, not just it's not beating Roman Reigns. Right. It's that's what it, that's what it meant at the time. Um, but when, you know, somebody else is holding it and it'll still be finished the story, that's what the story is. It's getting that title for dad. But I just, again, I, you know, Cody has no place in this story beating Roman Reigns. If 
if if that ha- if they do it, then that's strict. That is because Cody sells the most T-shirts. <laughs> okay, um, that's all it is. If they See, do, it. do it, if they do it that way, it might be because he negotiated into his contract. Which I mean, if you did, man, good for you. But. I don't know. I it's think Cody. Not- I don't think Cody negotiated a championship deal into his contract. I think Cody's business smart enough to know that this could have gone one of two ways. Like, because WWE yeah. fans are what they are, and you know, when you leave the company, they don't always follow you. There's proof of that. You know, right. there's proof of that in AEW. Yeah. You know, the fact that AEW's numbers really didn't fluctuate much. Just because Cody was there, just because Claudio's there, just because Andrade's there, just because, you know, Paige is there, Tony Storm is there. Their numbers really, there was not this mass exodus of fans. WWE fans are loyal. And when you leave and you talk shit and then you come back, there's a risk that the WWE would have been, universe would have been like, nah, F this guy. There's a real risk there and a real possibility that that could have happened. Given the fact that he left AEW the way he did, um, it was less likely, but it was still a possibility. There were no guarantees that this Cody Rhodes run was going to be what it was. No, but man, it is. I mean, they it captured is. lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And everything's like been booked to perfection, but it, it, there's a real possibility that it could have fallen flat on its face just because of the, the way the WWE universe reacted to it. But nope, we're on our way to a rubber match with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. So I think he's doing just fine. Cody's yeah. going to be all right, guys. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting in the, in also, the next few I, months. Up, 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 up. I mean, he's also on Raw, so he knows there's no viable way to the WWE Championship right now. But it's worth noting that, you know, before their latest fracas, Seth Roman was a – Roman, Jesus Christ. Cody was about to seemingly challenge – Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So, worth noting, might come back up later. Who knows? So we might be on a really big side road until he actually does finish the story three years from now. I think Cody's going to be on quite a few side roads. But what Cody's going to do is go out here and tell some amazing stories. Right. And yeah. that's that's his legacy. When he came back, he he was finally the main event guy that he wanted to be. He's finally there. Like, he's finished. He's done that. You know, he's like, I wanted to be treated like a main eventer. I want to feel like a main eventer. I am a main eventer, and he's proven that. And now let's let's have some good matches. Let's tell some good stories. And then when the field clears, then Cody Rhodes gets to to swoop in and, you know, claim the throne. Yeah, I'm sorry that you came back in the middle of one of the most historic, whether you were here or not, one of the most historic reigns we've had in the last 40 years. Yeah. So we can't, yeah, as my pal uh, Barrett from Final Fantasy VII says, there's no getting off of this train we on. Well, look, it's just like if you got drafted into the NBA in 1988. Guess what, pal? No rings for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, it is what it is. Yeah, it, one one team had it on lockdown. Yeah, unless you, unless you got drafted by the Bulls. I mean, right? <laughs> it was one or team you, for years. Or you were lucky enough to be on the Rockets when uh, you know Michael was serving. I mean, when Michael was retired, 
He was on vacation. Uh, all in all, though, man, I'm excited for SummerSlam. We are going to start ramping up the SummerSlam discussion over the next couple of weeks. That show is coming in, what, two weeks? Um, yeah. Three. Two weeks well, from Saturday, right? Yeah, two, weeks, yeah, two and a half weeks, yeah. Two, two, two and a half weeks. It's coming yeah. up. We're going to start ramping up the discussion here in the next couple episodes. Uh, guys, I'm good unless anybody's got anything. Uh, I got right. two things, actually. Two things. Uh, What's up, Rob? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Trinity for becoming the Impact Knockout Champion. Absolutely, good, good work for her. Good, good, good decision for her. Yes, and good, so, good decision for Impact too, probably. Yeah, um, and because I have in, in the background, and look, their uh, their production's looking a little better. Um, looks like they may maybe have a little more money coming in right now. Um, <laughs> But um, no, I think it, it, was, it was a good decision for all everyone all around. Um, she wanted basically an opportunity. This is the opportunity she wanted, and it, quite frankly, the WWE did not give her. And so, where it leads, um, I don't know because um, well, but you know, what? I'm not I'm not going to worry about projecting where it leads. Um, we just we sit back and we enjoy it, and that's what we do. That's what we tell y'all to do. So that's the best thing to do here. Not not to try to project or figure out, you know. Um, but there are a couple of matches I would like. Since, I mean, Impact does the intergender thing, I would love to see her and Leo Rush do something. That would be Ooh. fun. Yes. Talk about, uh, talk about a stunt show. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that would be a whole lot of fun if they, if they do that. Um, so if there's, there's one thing I'm projecting or hoping for, I hope they do that. Um but other than that, just congratulations, um, and be happy for her that this worked out for that it's worked out for her like it has. Yeah, man. Yeah, and 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 the final thing must commemorate <laughs> this week ten years ago. Oh God! Somebody made their debut in NXT. Good night, everybody. <laughs> all right, I'm not gonna lay it on too thick. All right, look, you know, like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Okay, y'all know how, how yeah, well, I do here. Anyway, but, Charlotte but, Flair, congratulations yeah. on ten years. Yeah. Ten years of burying the women's division. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, she's had a ten-year lockdown on well, the with, women's division. Just piling dirt on everybody. Just shoehorn Charlotte right in there. And, and, let's, and let's hope for ten more well, years. Of, ten more years of burials. Yeah. All, all credit to her because I mean we all know why what what actually got her in the door, and to turn that motivation into the career she has, like hats off to you, girl. You're you're one in a million. Yeah. All right. Well, we can take it home there, gentlemen. I'm going to wrap back around the room here and thank my co-host as I always do, starting with from the Rob the Genius Podcast, Mr. Rob Sir. Good show tonight. Thank you. And I'll thank you, and thanks for having me. And Dan Snyder, get the hell out of town. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Bucky Stag Team partner, Jason. Hey. You good there? Thank you very much, everyone. Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you. you like, you're about to fall asleep, my friend. Class. Oh, I'm floating away. Floating away. <laughs> he's heading yeah. away. He's on the cloud, and he's heading out of here, folks. So I'm going over to Sanctuary and try to kill some stuff in Diablo. Uh, and hope not to run into the butcher. 
Yeah, have you run into the butcher yet? I've run into the butcher, and he has whipped my ass every single time. I'm like, wait a minute, is this the same butcher that was in Diablo 3 that I smoked the first time I... It sure is. God, he's killing me. He's back with a vengeance, man. And yeah, he's pissed. Oh, my sorcerer's level 52, and he's smoked me before, so... The last time I saw him, because I stay away from that dungeon now because it pissed me off. Because he pissed me off. I stay away from that dungeon. I was only like a level 20, 25 when uh, I think I'm up to level 42 now. So I haven't unlocked yeah. Paragon yet. I got bad news, DJ, for for you. Did you did you beat him? No. Okay. So once you do, uh, unless it's a story dungeon, he can just show up in any dungeon. There's like a small oh, fucking fabulous, shot. fucking <laughs> fabulous show. Just like, oh, yeah, there's the butcher. Sweet. And he's just coming at you with his, you know, 40, 40 attacks a second. And you're just like, all right, I'm dead now. Great. Yeah, it's almost like I'm playing. If you remember on uh, Diablo 3, it was like I was playing, like, Torrent 70 or something. Yeah. Torment, exactly. Torment 70, and I'm dying in seconds. Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This has been the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com. Remember to always use your head. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want. But call it in the ring, and we're out of here until next week. <laughs>